think we get lost in the the like hacker culture, the cool technology, the this, that, the, you know, so I work at a small organization. I got, you know, it's me and three other people essentially. But when I did work at larger organizations, we had hundred people on the security team. You know, it's one thing I felt myself always pushing was like, you know, your job isn't just to make sure the logs make it into the SIM. Like, yeah, that's important. But at the end of the day, our job is to prevent a breach. Our job is to make sure the data is secure. That's Randy Potts, CISO at Real-Time Resolutions, and quite possibly the nicest and least burned out CISO I have ever met. He's also one of the ringleaders of the CISO XC series of summits, a DFW summit designed and operated by CISOs for CISOs. He's a very valuable member in the DFW community. He's talking with us here about a fundamental paradigm in the CISO practice that too many of us are missing or at least aren't talking about enough. And that's the idea of CISO as caretaker. Randy and I are talking here about stewardship, responsibility, servant leadership, codes of ethics, and a lot more related to this vital theme. Randy, it is with great pleasure that I welcome you on Down to the Ranch. Absolutely, Alan. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford. So why don't we get started? Just tell us a little bit about your background in cyber, a little bit about your day job. Yeah, I'm the CISO for a company called Real-Time Resolutions. We do call centers all across the U.S. and a couple in uh, some near shore countries, Mexico and Jamaica. I went to college for electrical engineering and I was uh, pre-medical slash biomedical engineering as well and really started out on satellite systems and got into InfoSec because satellite systems are always in remote places. And so you have guys in remote places who go to websites that they shouldn't, gambling, pornography, those sorts of things, which comes with malware. And so as a systems engineer on satellite systems, my biggest impact to uptime was malware taking sites down. And so I quickly got into analyzing traffic and right, just looking for you know a single system, trying to make a lot of TCP connections is really what I looked at. So yeah, I became the security guy. So when I worked in a defense contractor, so the government came around asking security questions, I was that guy. And so I've been the security guy, oh God, since that was 05 when that started. So, so, so since 2005, I've been the security guy. All right. That's a great introduction. And I remote satellite locations and malware and its various sources. That's a that's a heck of an intro story. I don't think I've ever heard that one. Gambling and pornography made me a CISO. That could be the shortened form of that. You and I had a conversation before the show, uh, and we talked a little bit about this idea about caring and caretaking as CISOs. And your quote that sort of inspired all of this to me was, you said, we are caretakers of people's personal information and we have a high level of responsibility. Why don't you give me a little bit about that background, and then we'll kind of dive into some some questions around it. You know, it's interesting. This is one of those things that is just kind of core how I go about doing information security, even going back to when I worked on satellite systems. So one of the things that made me interested about satellite systems and why I think the Internet is a good thing, despite all the bad things that might come with it, is it does allow us all to become more connected, right? It allows us all to become more connected. We get to know each other. You know, I think about like Facebook as the example of that, right? Like everybody gets on Facebook. I can keep up with my relatives on the other end of the world. 
But then there's all these privacy implications that come along with that because I also don't want the wrong people getting my data, getting to know things about me that they shouldn't, you know, the stalkerware type stuff and all the bad, you know, well, yeah, the malware embedded in my pornography sorts of problems that come up with that, you know, stealing my bank accounts, whatever it is. And so that's really where I see our role in this whole thing is we have to give people that confidence in the internet and the security of their data so they are willing to share. So we can see all those benefits of what the internet gives us, which is, you know, this ability essentially to connect better with each other. You know, I think it might be kind of trending in the wrong direction, you know, and a lot of people will say that, you know, but I think honestly, that is where the CISO and security people's role is, is in making these things secure and stable, not just caring for the people's data. I think that's huge, but I think we have to care for the people themselves. You know, I mean, you have to realize that, you know, there is a, a role that the internet is serving in people's lives, you know, that's going to make their lives better, hopefully. And so that's our ultimate goal is to prevent data breaches so people can have confidence in, you know, whatever application or wherever their data is, so they'll be willing to use it, you know, and it kind of right. like, it kills me, you know, when people are like, oh, I'm deleting all my social media. And and I yeah. kind of get that, right? Like, I get it. Sometimes you just need the break. But man, I wish you didn't need that break. I, you, you know, I wish you had the confidence yeah. to kind of say, you know what, I can actually dial this to the level that I want. You know, right. I mean, ideally, that's where people could be. This all kind of goes back to, you know, the fact that, you know, I was pre-medical biomedical engineering. And I think about in biomedical engineering, one of my professors gave this example of how, like, you know, when they were first creating electronic devices in hospitals, right? They were mm-hmm. using like standard plugs, like outlet plugs. And yeah. then eventually, you know, an accident happens, right? And like somebody gets plugged into a wall socket and shouldn't, you know? And then it's like, yeah. oh man, we got to think more about how we design plugs, you know, even for like these medical devices. And so, I mean, I think that like that level of care needs to go in our thought of when we're designing the security for our systems and how we prevent, you know, compromises. But then the flip side of that, you know, I think security definitely has this reputation of, you know, the party of no, you know, where we just say, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Well, the reality is we need the usability and we need to make it as safe as possible. Um, you know, and that's another thing that I kind of got from my early jobs working overseas, you know, there were these guys whose job it was to keep us safe, right? These like personal security guys and right. Their answer wasn't, well, don't work in a war zone. Right. And and, and so often I want to go, the internet was a mistake. Just don't connect to the internet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This whole broad communication thing. No, (laughs) absolutely. Right. Like just don't, yeah. Okay. Unplug from social media, just run away. Hi. Right. But that's not the answer, right? We got to figure out how to go with securely and kind of get there. And so, I mean, I think that's our obligation. That's our response. You know, that's what makes that responsibility so great because we do need to prevent the breaches so people have the confidence and people can use the systems and we can secure the functionality. And and it's just that balance of like, you know, and that's the constant battle between like the CISO and the CIO or the CTO, which is this like, man, we want to make new features and we want to go fast, fast, fast. And it's like, yeah, but we also need to make it stable and secure and, you know, and all of that. And so that's this constant battle that's going on. 
But, but I mean, that's our duty. That's why we have to have the patience with it. Well, I, and I love that you use the word duty because it, it makes me think of back when I got my CISM certification. You know, I was thinking of the data governance terms that ISACA used with, uh, I, I want to say ISACA was data steward, data owner, data custodian, I think is their three terms. And steward and custodian stand out to me especially because both of those terms have a very servant notion to them, right? To your point, the, the world is about the communication. The goal is about the communication. We as servants are there to make sure that that communication is clean and happens. It's almost the same thing as saying, and I'm trying to think of a better metaphor, you know, the, the street sweeper who comes along and makes sure there's nothing for you to trip on or drive over that's going to pop your tire. You know, it's almost that kind of metaphor to me. So data steward in, in the conventional definition is um, concerned with the meaning of the data and the correct usage of the data and often wants a lot of folks using the data. So the steward is the one hoping that communication is open in there. They want the usage of the data, right? The data custodian manages the data, the backup servers, networks, knows where the data is precisely, but doesn't necessarily know how to use it. So you've got these two sort of stewardship custodial roles that are almost intention. It's what you're describing there about putting the brakes on the CTO's efforts. So, so what stands out for me in all this is that, you know, the, the, the servant-oriented role to it, it's almost like saying the CTO and the CISO both are servants in this regard to the customers, to the folks that have owned the data or, or need to use the data, right? Does that, does that resonate? Oh, absolutely. I love that term custodian as well. One thing that just within our society, if you think about the custodian, right? It's like that janitor in your high school or, you know, even the cleaning people at your office, those are kind of the, you know, purest play custodian, right? But right. they keep everything clean and orderly and organized and Without them, life would be much more miserable than what it is. You know, yes, it, it would, it, would it be as nice as what it is? You know, and I even think about like in the healthcare world, you know, if you think about like everything we do on the sanitation front and how much it's actually improved our livelihoods, you know, the fact that like I can put my trash on the curb and somebody comes and gets it and it goes away and I've got plumbing to my house and a sewage system and right. all of this infrastructure that's there that makes life much more livable. And I just think, man, on the data front, that same thing exists. I mean, just think about like data retention policies. When do we get rid of data? When is data no longer useful? You know, I think about that, especially with things like CCPA, you, you know, the regulations that are targeted more at like marketing companies. And mm -hmm. I kind of think, you know, just like with traditional custodian, I think a lot of people, especially in today's day and age go, oh, data is currency. So I want as much data as I can get. But the reality is a lot of data is not that useful, especially as it gets older. And so you really got to think from like your business operations side, like, am I holding on to a bunch of data that's just not useful and it's just sucking up resources? It's stuff I don't really need. It's just an added liability. And so that's really what I think about from like that custodial type duty of, you know, I think we do a good job of like, hey, we back it up, we control it, whatever that is. But I really think about that retention cycle as well of like, do we really need to collect this data? Is it really useful? Funny enough, I just had this conversation with actually our head of business development who was asking me about our classification levels. And uh -huh. we do, you know, and I think you can always pick your classification levels. I have four classification levels, you know, so okay. typically you kind of got that like the public, the confidential and the secret. Well, I add that restricted level. So okay. and that's those data elements where I'm like, we should really never need these. There's really right. no reason, you know, to have these data elements. And if you do have them, 
we should all be trying to figure out a way to not have them, you know? Right. And that means if I have access to it, then I should try to figure out. And it's interesting. I really do push that to all of our employees of like, I'm here to kind of like help guide and direct. You're the ones who are doing the job day to day. And so right. I need your help. I need your help to try to figure these things out. But the company I'm at, right, why I'm one of the least jaded, burnt out CISOs out there is <laughs> everybody comes along with me, you know? And, and I mean, part of that is because I'm a nice, honestly, I'm where I'm at because I've done it the wrong way the whole time, you know? Right. I've been the not nice guy and now I'm the nice guy. And so not that everybody will really agree with that. I'm sure I'd have some coworkers that would listen to this and be like, Randy, you're not the nice guy. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but I try to be, right? Because I want people coming to me and engaging with me and giving them that success. And I think, you know, when we think about the security guy's job to serve. I think that's the hugest part, right? Is the old party of no guys. It was like, oh, we're just consultants. We're here to tell you what to do and what not to do. And we don't have to live with those consequences either, right? We get to bark our orders and go back to our castle. Absolutely, right? I mean, oh my God. You know, I think that was really popular, especially like in the 90s and early 2000s. They always talked about... Mm -hmm. IT is like the crystal palace, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, you guys sit up there and you get all the cool stuff and all the good stuff. And we're stuck down here with whatever you want to give us, you know? Right. But I mean, I think that's where like, yeah, we need that kind of servant mindset to serve our coworkers, to enable them. And then same thing. Yes. With our users, with our customers. I mean, that's the whole thing is to make it more useful, make it more helpful. This is bigger than a data story, right? Because we talk about data custodian. We talk about being the custodian, but we're also now bordering on the whole management philosophy of servant leadership, right? And it seems to me that you've got sort of that vibe running through the CISO's obligations, whether it's to your own team directly, whether it's to the stakeholders, whether it's to the members of the board, whatever. In my mind, I personally see myself as a servant leader 360 degrees around, right? Leader in the sense that they pin the tail on my donkey, <laughs> but uh, servant in the sense that ultimately that's what I'm here to do is to serve all of them. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I'm here to make sure the stakeholders, the owners of the data, the, the, the stewards of the data, I'm here to make sure that those people are safe, the people whose data it actually is, which of course now with privacy laws, the data ownership paradigm has shifted to the person the data is about. But in the past, the data owner was the entity inside the business who managed and ran that data and shared it and used it, you know, the steward, if you will. So I think ultimately it's all about, at this point, being a servant. I don't think a successful CISO can be anything other than a, a servant in, in that capacity. Let's pause right there and hear a brief word from our sponsor. Axonius has crossed the chasm, the first company to solve the cybersecurity asset management problem. Gartner has recognized cyber asset attack surface management chasm as a category in their hype cycle for network security 2021 report. Axonius gives its customers a comprehensive, always up-to-date asset inventory, helps uncover security gaps, and automates as much of the manual remediation as you want. Take a look at Exonius and give your teams time back to work on the high-value cyber initiatives they were trained to do. You had a book you were just reading. You said you had a killer quote from your book. Let's lay it on us. Yes, absolutely. So, okay, so here I'll plug him. This is a friend of ours. Robert Haldman recommended this book by a former Navy SEAL friend of his, Jeff Boss, wrote this book called Navigating Chaos. So this quote from this is, you know, my belief is that success is a byproduct of putting your team and organization before yourself, you know? And so, I mean, I think there that's a go. huge thing. That is exactly it. And it's not just about the team, right? Because servant leadership speaks to the team 
it's extended in his definition and mine both all the way out to the entire organization, to the stakeholders, to the board members, to the customers of the business. Maintain that mindset, and, and in my mind, you can't go wrong. All right, I'm going to switch gears here because it got really interesting for me. As we talked about this topic and I wanted to do some research, I started Googling some stuff. And what I found, quite frankly, disappointed and maybe even disturbed me to a certain extent. I started looking at key phrases around these ideas we're talking about, about CISO as servant, CISO as caretaker, you know, CISO caretaker. I, I just started Googling all these phrases related to this, dropping pronouns, adding pronouns, putting it in quotes, whatever I could do to come up with. I couldn't find a single hit that related to what we're talking about here in our conversation. So caretaker was used as a description, get this one, for an interim manager between CISOs. So you fired your CISO, you haven't hired your new CISO yet, and in between you hand some other manager the organization, and that manager is the caretaker manager, basically like keeping it, keeping it from dying, but that's about it, right? That was the use of caretaker in that context. And then there was also the healthcare context of CISO supporting caregivers. And I was like, well, what about CISO as caretaker, right? Like this, this stuff wasn't in there. I couldn't find articles or lists about that. And I'm just curious, like, what's your reaction on that one? Because that, that really kind of upset me. No, I honestly, I mean, so that's why I kind of wanted to talk about this, because I don't think that is really out there. I think we get lost in the, the like hacker culture, the cool technology, this, that, the you know, so I work at a small organization. I got, you know, it's me and three other people, essentially. But when I did work at larger organizations, we had 100 people on the security team. You know, that's one thing I felt myself always pushing was, you know, your job isn't just to make sure the logs make it into the sim. Yeah, that's important. But at the end of the day, our job is to prevent a breach, you know, right, like our right. job is to make sure the data is secure. And so I do think we we really get lost in the weeds, so to speak. Yep. You know, we yep. only see the tree and we go, oh, look at this tree. Look at that tree. Look at, you know, we kind of forget about the health of the forest overall. Right. And so, no, I think that's huge in the technology space and especially in security. You know, I was just uh, talking to you know, one of my peers that I mountain bike with and we went and grabbed a beer and we were just kind of talking about there's a lot of point solutions popping up in the marketplace, mm -hmm. especially kind of like, you know, around like cloud or API security or zero trust. I think there's a lot of topics talking about that, how it's, oh, it's a collection of tools. It's, it's kind of like yeah. a methodology, you know, and that whole thing. And I mean, I think that's at the heart of it is that we definitely have kind of gotten lost in the fact that there's a systemic like a whole systemic health approach to this, that we need to be those caretakers. It's disappointing to not find it, but it's also not surprising because right. I think it is kind of lost. Here's the next Google to throw more fuel on that fire right there. So I Googled literally why CISOs should care. And I thought, okay, there's, there's going to be this conversation, the, the conversation you and I are having right now. No, 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 no. It was a list of, uh, oh, here's upcoming regulation and why you should care. Here's some legislation that's coming down the pike and why you should care. Here's a new change in technology and why you should care. It was all trends, regulation, and legislation. Anytime you saw that phrase about why a CISO should, should care, it was just about the bolts and the nuts and maybe the mitigating or swaying factors, I should call them. It had nothing to do with this internal landscape whatsoever. No, I think that is a trap that we've run into, right? Is that we've leaned on the compliance side of it, you know, of like, hey, we we have to do this because we're required to do it, not yeah. just because it's the right thing to do. You know, it's fun. when I first started working as a defense contractor, I had a manager, and this is stuck throughout my career with me, is he just said, Randy Wright stands on its own. 
you know? And so it was yeah. always like, if you just do the right thing, you're going to be okay. You know? And, it, and, and it's funny because I think Google changed their slogan, right? From like, don't be evil to kind of like, I don't actually know what their new slogan is, but it's like, do the right thing essentially. And it's like, right. yeah, but right for who? But I'm still, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. But yeah. I mean, that has stuck with me, honestly, of just like, yeah, just do the right thing. And I think we have gotten a little bit too used to, oh yeah, but GDPR has this, you know, huge fine. We got to worry about it. The CCPA, right. the the SOX compliance, what it, you know, which yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. it's so easy to check the boxes on those things and get away with kind of doing the bare minimum. This is a battle I fight, right? Of, you know, with the business not wanting to just do the bare minimum. And I think at the company I'm at now, and again, that's why I've been here for so long, right? They they get it. Like, like they are very much bought into my message of like prevent a breach, like do the yeah. best thing to prevent a breach, not just, yeah, we're going to comply with whatever our customers, our regulators want. But I think that's where the industry is. Like we've just kind of gotten caught in that trap of, oh no, we have to do this because we're regulated to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly, I think that's why so many people have the problems because they are doing the bare minimum and not really doing the right thing to prevent a breach. You know? Okay. So the right thing, right? Here was my next Google. I just, this was a rat hole. I just went down for a couple of hours yesterday. I Googled CISO code thinking, you know, like the code of ethics, the code of behavior, the code of law, the code of, you know, Mm. Anne-Marie Zettelmoyer was my, I think, second ever guest on this show. She's over at MasterCard. And when I asked her what keeps you going in cyber, she, she said, basically, it's a noble profession. The defense of the innocent is a noble profession. And this goes back to that servant thing. It's that, you know, the police badge says to protect and serve, right? Serve. We're back to serve. So I thought, surely there's a code, there's a, an ethos, there's something that drives this, right? I found one article calling for a CISO code of conduct. I found a ton of stuff about programming code, snippets of code, you know, infrastructure is code. You get the idea. The word just kept appearing and kept appearing. So I finally decided to pivot and try something different. And I punched in CFO code just to see like, okay, so the CISOs, let's go compare to somebody more mature. CFOs have been around way longer than CISOs have. And sure enough, I got pages and pages and pages of code of ethics, all that kind of good stuff. So part of me wants to feel like it's because we're new, that we're nascent, that that the CISOing art form isn't really established yet. But again, the more I Google, the more let down and disappointed with our peers I am. <laughs> so, No, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a huge piece to this is a lot, a lot of fields, right? And, and beyond, you know, you talk about CFOs, you talk about police officers, you talk about just because I was pre-medical and was like headed down that medical device route. Like I think about that, like with the Hippocratic oath that they do yeah, and, yeah. and all of that sort of thing. And, and yeah, on the security side, it really is lost. And I think it would be an awesome thing to develop, to kind of come up with this code, oath, whatever it is that just kind of reminds you of what the mission statement is. What is the mission in cybersecurity? You know, and honestly, I always lean back on, we are here to prevent breaches. You know, uh, I literally, so I met someone and, you know, they didn't know what security was. They were an HR person and they Mm -hmm. were like, Oh, it's cybersecurity. That's like Okta, right? Because we use Okta for for right. provisioning, you know. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Okta's a piece. And so I, yeah. you know, kind of gave them like the there's many domains and many different tools, and my job is to make sure all of those things work together to prevent data breaches. Like that is my job. And so you know, we've got all these tools, and I think 
again, we, we have totally gotten lost in the tools, which goes to the, you know, it's funny, as you say, like CISO code, I can just see, you know, some sort of like rebel hacker out there who's been told the org needs a CISO. And he's like, I can script that, you know, <laughs> like, 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 I'm just going to script a CISO. <laughs> CISO It'll just is code. <laughs> spit out random policies at you. It'll be great. You know, there you go. Deploy random agents and spit out random policies. CISO is code. I love it. We can all be replaced. Okay. My last bit of Googling. I promise this will be the last one. I Googled the phrase CISO responsibilities. And again, I thought it's going to speak to obligations, right? It was a list of practical, technical, material things, and also a ton of job descriptions. And that was it. There was no here as the CISO, here's what you're really responsible for. Here's, here's why you have the role, right? Here's what you're supposed to do. The best you'd get is the paragraph at the beginning of a JD that was something along the lines of to protect the enterprise, you know, and like that was about the extent of it, right? So, so that's the last of my Googling. I mean, to recap, CISO code, CISO code of conduct, why CISO should care, CISO care, CISO caretaker, CISO responsibility, all of this stuff, and didn't find anything related to this conversation on the first two pages of any one of those queries. What's your take on what the problem is and how do we fix that? How do we, are you, are you in agreement with me? This is a problem. And, and if so, how should we fix this, man? Definitely a problem. You know, I really think at the heart of it, and, and one of the reasons why I love working in InfoSec, we don't have technical solutions, right? There is no silver bullet. There is no, right, oh, deploy Okta, it's going to fix everything. You right. know, that doesn't exist. So the technical conversation is very valid and needs to be there because we are still working on the technical solution. You mm -hmm. know, we're not in web development where it's like, yeah, this is how you make a web page. You know, oh, right. yeah, this is how you make a web app. This is how you do that. You know, right. in right. InfoSec, it's, it's a bit of a moving target because you have this adversary who's constantly finding new ways to get around you, you know? And so those techniques and that technical part is always moving and it just, it dominates the conversation though. And, and honestly, I think we've just gotten lost in it, you know? And so that's the real question as a leader, right? How do I bring the focus back? Right. How do I bring the focus back? Maybe some of these things we're going down are not the best rabbit holes to go down. Maybe there's no real value in going down some of these rabbit holes. Maybe there is. But I think we need to get back to kind of having that mission statement, that code, that core set of principles. Yep. And it needs to be something honestly simple that will resonate with people. I think it's something like, yeah, I think when we do conferences or things in the future, right, I'm going to, we're going to introduce some contests for this of like, what do you think the cybersecurity mission statement, what do you think the CISO code of ethics should be, code of conduct should be? Right. Add that as a workshop component. You know, you think about it, there's always the tech track and the leadership track. Mm -hmm. And nowhere in there is the why the heck we're all here in the first place and what we're doing about that and what we should be focused on as humans in this industry. Like, where's that track? Amen. No, and I honestly, I think about, so one thing that is great about cybersecurity is we have this awesome community. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a great community within cybersecurity. I think we're all really close. We all know each other. We all do a great job of communicating. And I really think about outside of, you know, when I think about that mission statement, that caretaker type statement, that's really about communicating outside of the community. Yes. And I think we are a community that's made of introverted folks, you know, by and large. Um, and so we kind of like getting into our technical stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think honestly, we just, honestly, there just needs to be a group of us who kind of take that role to try to put that message out there beyond the community. Well, let's do it. The next CISO XC conference, why don't we do some kind of workshop and, and host some kind of thing and get a conversation started and 
Come out no, with some amen. outputs that the team puts together, right? Like, let's do this. Let's make it a roundtable workshop sort of thing. I'm, I'm in. No, we're doing it. We're going to do another event here. You know, we're, we're kind of getting it together. So whether it's May or August, right? I think we do that. I think we do a working group. You know, we'll have, shoot, 100, 200 CISOs there, right? 200 yeah. of us leaders. And we get together and we kind of workshop this thing and kind of think about what that statement should be. You know, I think we're all yeah. used to doing it putting it together for our boards. Hey, what's one that we think the community could get behind? What's one that can kind of help keep us all focused on that kind of duty to be the caretakers of people's data? You know, like how do we capture that statement and how do we get people, you know, I want it to be as those technical conversations are happening, how do we keep that present in your mind? Hey, is this really enabling cybersecurity at a greater level or Am I just solving this little minor problem that maybe is not the greater issue? It's it's almost the the Hippocratic Oath of CISOs, right? Like like why are we really in this and what are we here to do? To cause no harm, you know, to protect, to serve, to, you know, that that kind of thing. I'm I'm totally down, man. The next event, let's get into this. Absolutely. We're gonna switch gears here. Uh we've come to the 30-minute mark, so I'm gonna switch gears and I'm gonna ask you a question I ask every single guest. And in the context of the conversation we just had, I'm hoping you've got a real zinger for me here. What have you learned outside of cybersecurity that has helped you in cybersecurity? Yeah. Okay. So going to be the nice guy. I feel like I lean on this too much, but so I started my career and it was really formative for me. My first two years, I was deployed in Iraq and I worked in a war zone and it was really funny. My decision point to come home was actually the first time an auditor showed up. And I went, once an auditor, once the auditors show up, the war's not a war anymore. And so that's what kind of led me back home. But at the core of my nice guyness, I saw where things go when you're not nice, right? So if you're not nice, everybody just keeps anting up on who's the bigger jerk. And you get to this point where people are killing each other's children and blowing things up in streets. And it really goes down a rabbit hole. So We should all, and I mean like every human being on the face of earth, should be finding a way to be as nice as possible to each other, to be understanding, because anytime you're not, you're heading towards that other direction. And so that is something that if I was in cybersecurity or not, it would just, I have to be nice. I have to be civil. I have to understand where you're coming from. I have to try to put myself in your shoes. It's point just before this podcast, I did a, I was hiking with my brother. We were talking about that. And I said, man, James, my problem is, is I want to meet a bunch of people who aren't like me because I want to understand where other people are coming from. You know, like that's my biggest thing in life. Like I love just meeting new and different people and just kind of understanding how they see the world and trying to see the world through their eyes. And that is one thing I think in cyber, right? Again, going back to that, being the party of no, being the dictators, uh, being yeah. the consultants. I think we need to put ourselves in other people's shoes and think about, okay, if I wanted this to be done and I wanted it to be done securely, how would I do it? You know? Right. And, right. Uh, and so I think that's the hugest thing that I can offer, right? Is, uh, you know, you've got to be nice. You've got to be understanding. Um you, you know, I hear a lot nowadays about like imposter syndrome, you know, everybody's yeah. like, oh, everybody's going to figure out that I don't know anything. And it's like, nobody knows everything, you know? And, and, yeah. and I think what really gets 
harped on in this is we is we do like to brag, right? We're all very proud of what we have accomplished. Yeah. Um, and then that can have that effect on other people where they're like, oh man, I'm never going to be to that level on that topic. And it's like, yeah, that's okay. It's okay. You know, right, right. Uh, but I, I think that's also where like, you know, there's this other side to that of like putting your hand out there too and being like, Hey, come on, I'll show you, you know, yep. let's yep. talk about it. Yeah. 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 No, that's it. That's it. That is absolutely it. And and you're right. The, the, the counter to all of that is, you know, you've seen personally the far end of that spectrum and that's, that's a frightening place to be. That's a profound and a powerful answer to that question. I think that's probably the deepest answer to that question I've gotten yet in asking it. This is so far beyond something vocational or something technical or even like a, a, a tip for dealing with humans. Like, like this is this is more deep and more profound than that, what you're expressing. And I really appreciate that about you. And I thank you so much for that good answer. So uh, Randy Potts, CISO at Real-Time Resolutions, thank you so much for coming on down to the Cyber Ranch. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now. <laughs>